talking to me in a way that I think is interesting, but you're going to have to follow me to appreciate the continuity of what I'm trying to say. Now, I'm going to give you a heads up. I'm going to go to 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8 through 16. And then we're going to do 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 through 8. And, and, and while you turn into it, I want to explain myself. A friend of mine, a preacher friend of mine uh, and I were talking on the phone. And I said, I've, I've been preaching 40 years. And to just get up and preach the story for the 400,000th time doesn't really excite me. I'm going from just preaching the story to pulling the principles out of the story that are relevant to your life. Often we know the stories, but we don't know how to take the principles and make them applicable to our lives. If you were here Thursday, when we did, we had one, yeah. And I have to say, y'all shocked me on Thursday, because I thought the turkey was going to win. But they came on out two on a meal Thursday. Didn't we have a good time in the Lord? And we were, we were dealing with this notion of humbling yourself up under the mighty hand of God. Well, we know the scripture, but what does that mean? We've never seen the hand of God. So what are we really saying when we're saying we're humbling ourselves up under the hand of God? And we talked about, of course, we realize that it literally means to humble yourself up under his authority. But we took it to the next level to also understand that God often uses other people's hands. And if you don't learn how to humble yourself to his hands as it is revealed in the actions of others, you will miss the purpose of God in your life. So it was powerful. Yeah, it's kind of going to be on that trajectory today as we go into the Word of God. I'm going to be talking about fighting the good fight. Fighting the good fight. And and the funny thing about it is this is one of those messages where the, where the, the title and the scripture don't have nothing to do with each other. And you're totally at my mercy to make the connection between the two. If you don't follow me, you're going to feel like I'm discombobulated and schizophrenic and theologically deranged. But if you follow me, you're going to understand because I'm talking about fighting the good fight. And yet nobody is fighting in the scriptures that I use. Because normally if you use fighting the good fight, you know, you would use a scripture where somebody was in a fight. But the fight that I'm talking about is not an obvious fight. It is not a physical fight. And a lot of times people don't understand how to fight in the spirit. I mean people who fought in the flesh good don't know how to fight in the spirit. They don't identify the kind of fight. You could be tired from a fight that people can't even see. They say in a physical fight, you only got a certain amount of minutes. I don't care how tough you are before you win or lose to fight. Because fighting expends a lot of energy. In a physical fight, you're going to be exhausted a lot quicker than you imagine. I know you imagine yourself fighting and you're a superhero. You get mad and your temper makes you think you can beat up everybody. But in reality, you're going to run out of breath pretty soon. So whatever you're going to do physically, you have to do it in a fairly short amount of time because after that, you know, 
that's when you start calling for your mama and stuff like that. And it's real embarrassing. It looks real bad. There is another fight that goes on in your life. And I'm going to point out uh, in these two scriptures an and, and obvious depiction of that fight and a less obvious depiction of that fight. Let's go first to 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8 through 16. Hey, if you're watching online, you better call your friend right now. If they hurry up and log on, they'll be just in time to get the word of God. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8 through 16. Let's stand for the word of the Lord. And it fell on a day that Elijah passed to Shunem, where was a great woman. What kind of woman? She was a great woman. Are you a great woman? Okay, she was a great woman. And she constrained him to eat bread. And no, brother, I didn't mean for you to ask that. And she constrained him to eat bread. Talked about Elijah. She, she brought him in the house and fed him. And so it was that as often as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. She was a great woman. She was a generous woman. And every time she turned around, she brought bread. Keep going, brother. Yeah. And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is a holy man of God. This is a relationship that is growing, which passes by us continually. Read on. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. Let's fix him up a place to stay. Let's, let's enlarge the house. Let's add a wing. And let us set for him there, what's this, a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick that it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. Let's make this permanent. Let's fix him up a room. Let's make space for him. Keep going. And it fell on a day that he came thither and he turned into the chamber and lay there. And he said to Gehazi his servant, Call this woman. She keeps doing great things for me. Call this Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. Watch this. And he said unto him, say now unto her, now the woman is in the room, the servant is in the room, and Elijah's in the room. Elijah doesn't talk to her directly. He speaks to the servant and says, say now unto her, behold, thou hast been careful for us. You've been good to us with all this care. What I want to do something by... Whoa, so many things I want to talk about in this text. I can't hardly resist it. What is to be done for thee? I want to do something back for you. Never let somebody be good to you and you don't do anything back. Oh, my God. Come on, teach that. My God. You're not entitled to receive that blessing and do nothing Ooh. back. Reciprocity is a part of your faith. Wow. What can I do for you? Yes. What is thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell amongst my own people. I'm fine. I don't need anything. I don't need a good word from the king or anybody. And he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, verily, she have no child. And her husband is old. I won't explain that. See <laughs> law. And he said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door. Look at how intent Elijah is to bless this woman. This is her second trip back in the room. He is trying to find a way to give back to her. Why is that important? If if she has sown into him and and he doesn't find a way to reciprocate, he breaks a spiritual law. Ooh. 
You can never you can never just receive from people and not give anything back. Whoa. It's illegal. It's irresponsible. Whoa. It's inappropriate. You break a kingdom law. I could talk about that all day. I'm not even talking about this, but I, I can talk about that all day. And he said, about this season, mm. about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. Now, we know she didn't have a son. <clears throat> we know she didn't have a son. She had money. When the Bible says she's a great woman, it meant that she, she was well off. Okay. And we also know that she was well off enough that she could afford to build a room for a visitor. Come on now. Whoa. That's well off. Yeah. I come visit you and eat a couple of pieces of chicken a couple of times and I come back the third time and you got a wing added on to your house just for me. That's pretty good. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and about the and he says to her, I'm looking for a way to bless you. I tried to bring your name up to the king. You didn't want it. I tried to use my influence to extend a favor. You said, I'm good. I don't need anything. I had to search to find a place in your life Whoa. of deficiency. Whoa. I finally found a place. Okay. You don't have a child. And your husband is old. Mm. And none of your checks, your MasterCard, your American Express, your Visa, nor your Discover can buy this. Mm. There are some blessings that money can't buy. Oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. That thing now. That's Cannot what I'm talking buy. about. Favor, come on. And he said, because I am a man of God. Yes. He said, by this time next year, or about this season, about this season means by this time next year. Next year, okay. According to the time of life, Whoa. thou shalt embrace a son. You're going to get the thing that you could not give yourself. If I walked over to you and told you by this time next year, you're going to get the thing that you could not give yes, yourself. Yes, yes, Lord. Hallelujah. How would you react? Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. Uh, yes, you, you don't understand. Yes. The, the Bible says she perceived him to be a man of God. Yes. This woman so believed in his ministry, she has built a wing on her house. And the prophet says to her, about this time next year, you're going to embrace the thing you could not do for yourself. If you believe that yes, word, yes. how would you react? Yes, glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the way I thought she should react. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. But instead, she says, No, my Lord, thou man of God. Why would you say no? Okay. Why would you say no? Do not lie. Unto thy handmaid. That's not. Thank you. I'm going to next. Stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. I'm going. I got something for you this morning. I'm telling you. Second Timothy four seven and eight. Here, 
Paul has written to Timothy at the end of his life. And he says to him, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Okay. Which Lord. the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. Yes, Lord. And not, not to me only, you. but unto all them also that love his appearing. Okay. Go back to that seventh verse for a minute. I have fought a good fight. I have fought a good fight. fight. I have fought yes, a good fight. Wait a minute. I know a lot about Paul. I know his original name was Saul. I know he was of the tribe of Benjamin. I know that he was a member of the Sanhedrin court. I know that he spoke in several different languages. I know that he had some type of physical infirmity that made it difficult for him to get around. I know that he was blind on the road to Damascus. I know that he ended up being led by the people who he was leading. I know that there was nothing beautiful about him. I know that he was long-winded. I know that he wrote letters in just situations and circumstances. I know that he is responsible for much of the New Testament scriptures, our understanding of church and theology. I know that he was beaten three times, left for dead. I know he was bitten by a snake. Yes, sir. I know all kinds of stuff about Paul. I don't ever remember Paul being in a fight. Come on now. Whoa. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> yes, sir. How can you tell Timothy as you prepare to leave, I fought a good fight. <laughs> and you never punched now anybody. Okay. <laughs> yes, sir. I have finished my course. Before he talks about his course, he talks about his fight. Okay. Today I want to talk to you for a few minutes about fighting the good fight. Yeah. <laughs> Father, I thank you for this opportunity to feed the flock of God, to pour into them the word of God. Let the teaching be relevant. Let it be life-changing. Let it stir hope and tenacity in the hearts of your people, and let it give birth as it is being preached. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You sit the rest of the day. I tell you, I tell you where I got started. I'm gonna take you on this this little journey. Okay. I I, I, I interviewed when I was doing my talk show a, a, a week ago. It, it aired last week. A Dr. Phil. And when when I was, you, how many saw that? <laughs> yeah. And he and I were having an exchange about the pressure of the times that we're living in, and the being bombarded with constant information, and the sociological impact it has on the society. I personally don't think that, I think that we have created things that were beyond 
the space we were created to occupy. Right, right. We were not designed to be to bring all of these people into our house through technology. Whoa, okay. We have sensory overload. Yeah. When God created us, he did not create us to live in the jungle that technology has brought into your life. The stress of having millions and thousands of people's opinions in your business is not good. It's damaging. It's damaging. We, we have sensory overload. We have too many images coming at us through our screens, through our phones, through our television. We, 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 we don't have thought life. We don't have time, moments of tranquility. We are the only animal on the planet that has no place to lay our head. We carry our phones to bed. We are addicted. We are overwhelmed. We are at our wit's end. And I can see it affecting the psychological profile of our society to the point that we have more angry people than we have ever had in my life. I have never seen such vicious, frustrated, angry people lashing out because we have no place to refresh. Yes, Lord. I see the same thing. So we were having that conversation. Come on now. And, and I brought up IQ. IQ. Intellectual quotient. Our intellectual quotient tells us not how smart you are, but the space you have. Okay. Okay. How, how, how much hard drive you have, how strong your database is to be able to absorb information. We don't all have the same intellectual quotient. When you think of quotient, think of quota. We don't all have the same database. We don't have enough space intellectually. We're not all the same. Some people are just, they just have more capacity. My wife remembers stuff so good, it makes me feel like I got Alzheimer's. <laughs> I hate to get into an argument with her because I can't even remember what happened. <laughs> oh yeah, you had on a blue tie, you were standing there, and you had on your brown jacket, and, you, and, and, and I, I would fight back if I could remember. <laughs> IQ, space. Space. She made space for the man of God. Space. Everybody doesn't have the same amount of space. Some people, sometimes you are warning things from people intellectually that they don't have. I can't be smarter than I am. Wow. I, I, you're beyond my quota. Wow. And my intellectual quotient does not accommodate the challenge before me. That's why you ought not to ask for things that are beyond your competency. Okay. Oh. David said, I do not fool with things that are too high for me. Yeah, yeah. You got to be honest enough and not let your ego carry you beyond your IQ. Come on now. Oh. Because you can see other people doing stuff, but you don't have the space to do that job. So you got to learn how to be happy for people without becoming a hater of people because you don't have the IQ. Enjoy. Their IQ is God's gift to you. Whoa, okay. Glory to God. Come on now. God gave them smart to bless you. And there you are competing with the gift he gave you. 
Whoa. Because your ego will not allow you to appreciate the fact that some folk just got it like that. IQ. So he and I was talking about IQ. And then I started going a little deeper because over the years, I've learned, I've gone beyond IQ to EQ. Emotional quotient. This deals with, it is possible to be intellectually smart and emotionally dwarfed. Some people are smart. They retain data, information. They know all kinds of stuff. They read books. They're really bright. They can do all kinds of things. But emotional stuff, they can't handle it. You can be an emotional dwarf and an intellectual giant. Just because you're smart intellectually doesn't mean that you manage your emotions well. Okay. All the married people want to shout. They just can't. They just sit there. (laughs) But in their shoe, their toes are wiggling up and down. Because you know, you don't know till you get involved with somebody how emotionally stable they are. Now, you can tell that they're smart, but you don't know that they're crazy. I'm teasing. You... For real. You know she was good looking, 36, 24, 36. And you remember them numbers vividly in your head. And you don't know that old 36, 24, 36 is an emotional terrorist until after the wedding is over. (laughs) And then you go home with somebody who's crying and can't tell you why manage you but can't give you a reason how do you negotiate with somebody who doesn't even know why they're upset in the first place don't say nothing just keep looking straight ahead act like you don't know nothing about what i'm talking about the emotional quotient can be developed but is often learned through what they grew up around so if their house oh, i don't have time to get in there if their house was 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 emotionally on a tin and everybody said what they thought and I just got to speak my mind and I'm just like my mother that's what's wrong you're just like your mother and they need to be emotionally developed which is a sign of maturity I won't go fully into it some people don't have much emotional capacity so you're wanting something from them that they don't have space to give you. So you keep saying, I need more. And they keep saying, I'm giving you everything I got. And you keep saying, I need more. And they keep saying, I'm giving you everything I got. And what you don't understand, they're not lying. Your need does not determine my space. Oh, that was worth the trip all by itself. Yeah, buddy. Come on now. EQ. Come on. Versus IQ. Bringing those two things together is very important. You want to be just as intellectually mature as you are emotionally and vice versa. Sometimes God will give you a job that you are qualified to do. But because of your emotional skills... You are hard to work with. You can do the work, but you can't work with anybody. We hired you because we saw your IQ, but we got to live with your EQ. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. 
Is that good? Yeah. So we begin to talk about, just for a minute, just Dr. Phil and I was talking about IQ, and then we start talking about EQ, and then he brought up something that made me go back and study. He brought up AQ. And I wasn't familiar with AQ, so when the interview was over, I started reading up on AQ. Your adaptability quotient. How well do you adapt to change? Some people are good as long as you don't move them. Everything's fine, just don't move anything because I cannot adapt well, I do not adjust well, I do not change well, I do not stir well. Now, adaptability, how well do you adapt determines how far you can go. Do you adapt well? Come on now. And that's, that's where I'm going to build my case. That's where I'm going to build my case. Your adaptability quotient. Adapting the change. Adapting the situation. Uh -huh. Bless me, Lord. I want to grow. I want to develop. I want everything you have for me. But don't change nothing. Come on now. Oh, there it is. There it is, yeah. Don't, 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 I wanted them to come to know Jesus. I wanted them to have a real faith experience. I wanted them to accept him as their Lord and Savior. But I wanted him to save somebody who wasn't drowning. Oh, okay, okay. I asked him to save them, but I didn't want them to drown. Well, who needs a savior who's not in trouble? Okay. I prayed for salvation. He answered with trouble. I said, this is the devil. Oh. Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Oh, wow. Take okay. your hands off of my children. Wow. Ain't no way this could be God doing this in my house. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Oh, that gave me chills. Yes, Lord. Oh my God, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that God doesn't have grandchildren. <laughs> they could not be saved just because they were my kids. They had to have their own personal testimony with their Lord yeah. and Savior Ooh. just like me. Yes, yes. That's good. I asked him to save them and all hell broke loose. And I thought it was a curse. I rebuked it. I threw oil at it. I spoke in tongues about it. I cried about it. A couple of times I cussed about it. That's good, James. Come on now. Preach. 
I said, all that spiritual stuff ain't working. I, you ain't going to come in my house. <laughs> <laughs> but I got forgiveness. I got forgiveness. I'm back. I'm back. I'm converted. He disrupted my house okay. Answering my prayer But when I saw Paul up here praying this morning Up under the anointing of yes. the Holy Ghost I said it was good for me yes. That I was yes. afflicted Come on. Say God is up to something in your life. Oh, I feel a Holy Ghost breakthrough coming. I feel a Holy Ghost breakthrough coming in this place. I feel a Holy Ghost breakthrough in this place. We're not shouting because we got a new car. We're not shouting because we got a new house. We're shouting because we got an understanding that God is good. When life gets bad, he's still good. All things work together for the good of them that love. to do with how far God can use you than anything that we've ever taught you about. Because some of you want God to use you, but don't change nothing. I want to have a great marriage, but we don't want to go through anything. I want you to be faithful to me, but I can only determine your faithfulness as you are tried. These fiery trials. <laughs> Lord, I want you to take me to the next level, but I'm scared of heights. <laughs> I want to go higher and higher. I want to get up in the choir stand, but I don't want to go up the steps. <laughs> How can I get to the choir stand without going up steps? I prayed to be up there, but here the devil come with these steps. <laughs> This woman, this Shunammite woman, 
this great woman is very interesting. Can I come down here and talk to you? It's very interesting that Elijah, in the space of two or three chapters, brings before us two women. One woman is in the middle of a famine, and she is broke. She's lost everything. She only has a handful of meal. Her need of Elijah's ministry is obvious. Because you know poor people need Jesus. You don't never see a missionary ministry going into a wealthy neighborhood. Because the American culture supposes that economic success means you don't need to be evangelized. You don't see a missionary committee anywhere in this city going into Highland Park. <laughs> we got quiet in here. People don't even witness to rich people. When was the last time you talked to your doctor about Jesus? But you gave that homeless man a track and said, Oh, brother, I'm praying for you. Oh, bless God that Jesus loves you with the love of the Lord. I understand why he went to the poor woman's house. She was down to her last handful of meal. She was about to bake the cake and die. We know she needs the Lord. But the Shalomite woman, she was a great woman. She had it going on. Why in the world does God send the prophet to somebody who is profitable? Okay. Sometimes the greatest poverty exists amongst the most profitable. Because when people don't have a sense of your need, they ignore you out of deference to how they perceive you. People don't comfort hard workers because they say, that's just you. Okay. Come on now. Oh, you know how mama is. Mama loves cooking for us. She just love cooking. Look at mama. Mama only happy when they, all the kids are home and she cooking for us. Wow. Mama tired. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. <laughs> Mama's back hurts. Yes, Lord. Mama wants all of y'all to go home. <laughs> mama resents that you don't do the dishes or nothing. Yes, Lord. That you sit up and eat everything in the house and wave at her. But people don't help you yes, Lord. when you're efficient. So it's the worst kind of poverty. They ignore you. God sends the prophet to the great woman's house. And this is how it starts. It starts because she thinks he's there so that she can bless him. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Never really realizing that her blessing him is a gateway. Come on now. Woo. 
Jesus. Yes, to alleviate perhaps her own ego. Yes. Sometimes God will command you to give to somebody okay. just so that they can give to you mm. something oh. that is more valuable okay. than what you gave to them because what you gave to them will never get you what you need. Mm. And God says, if you will give up what you got, yes. I will give up what I got. Yes. That's not but he couldn't introduce himself from the perspective of need. All right. Because you have adjusted to your barrenness. All right. Okay. Oh. Oh. Don't oh go anywhere because yes, I just dropped in it. Oh, Jesus. Yes, Lord. We are an adaptable species. We adapt to our environment and our conditions quite quickly. You remember how angry people were two weeks ago? You remember how everybody was crying and going to die and they were falling out and fainting and acting like Donald Trump is president and the world cannot go forward? Have you noticed over the last two weeks how the marches stopped and people started thinking, well, okay. Yeah, I'm talking about you. <laughs> We adapt. It's a gift from God. AQ is a gift from God. Okay. It's why some of us have dark skin and some of us have light skin and some of us live in this species. Our features are a result of our regions. How physically we adapted to the elements around us. Okay. It's a gift. It's a gift from God to be adaptable. until you adapt to being beaten. Or you adapt to being burdened. Or you adapt to being unhappy. Or you adapt to being lonely. What I want you to see in short order is that though this woman was great, and though she was well connected and so connected that she turned down the blessings that he offered her. Okay. He said, I don't need the king. I dwell amongst my own people. I know who I am. I have it together. Though she was so great that she could add a wing to her house to give to somebody else. Ooh, can I? Yes, sir. One of the telltale issues with her EQ, her emotional quotient, is some of us are good at giving blessings. Okay. Okay. You need me, I'll get up at three o'clock in the morning. I'll be there for you. You talking about stand by you? You talking about your road dog got your back? I got you. I will take stuff from me that I needed for myself yes. and give it to you. Yes. How many yes. folks are like that? Hold yes. your hand up. Yes. You are real good at giving. Okay. Yes, Lord. But not at receiving. Okay. 
This woman was a giver. Bless God, she was a giver. And as long as she was given to Elijah, things were fine. When he tried to give to her, oh no, I'm, I'm fine. Where are all my I'm fine people? Holla at your boy. How you doing? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. She's an I'm fine woman. And she looks like she's fine. And her house looks like she's fine. And her clothes looks like she's fine. But she's not fine. You'd be shocked at the people sitting in this church who look like they're fine. They smell like they're fine. They drove in here like they're fine. But they're not fine. This woman didn't even bring up the fact that she had no child. Because when you get into this emotional conundrum, you don't bring it up that you have a need to anybody. Not even to you. Because part of adapting to something is developing a new normal. So it's normal to be neglected. Wow. Wow. Oh, Lord. I, oh, I don't want to. It's like normal that. to give to people who don't give back to you. Wow. That's normal. That's, I'm tired. It takes a lot of strength to need. Mm. It takes a lot of strength to want. Okay. It takes courage. To be vulnerable enough to say, I matter. Yes, yes, yes. I need this. Hallelujah. She was good at giving because you need. But to admit, I need is humbling. Oh, God forbid that I, that I need something. And what I'm trying to do is to bring her IQ and EQ and AQ into alignment where she feels safe enough to say, I need something. I need you. That's a sign of health. Jesus avoided people who had no need. That hungers and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. You know what made the miracle with the five thousand happen? Somebody had to say, "I'm hungry." <laughs> you preaching good, preacher, but I'm hungry. Brother can use a piece of chicken up in this mug. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> you have to be in touch with yourself. Yeah. You have to be in touch with yourself. Not your stuff. Yourself. You keep giving people stuff. <laughs> but you have to be in touch with yourself to say, Prophet, I do need something. She couldn't even tell about it. Wait, wait, wait. 
she perceived he was a prophet. Okay. That's why she invited him over to the house. She so perceived he was a prophet that she built a room on his house. Right. So she knew he had contact with God. How can you be exposed to such blessings and remain so indifferent? It's like the kids who ate grandma's pound cake till she died and never got the recipe. So wait a minute. (laughs) I want to go back to this perceived thing for a minute. Can I talk about that for a minute? Because it's a great opportunity to show you something. A ministry can only function to the level of its perception. Amen. Amen. You understand? When people perceive you to be a thing, you can do a thing. You can be the same person with the same gift and lose the perception and thereby lose the power. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus said there were some cities he could do no great works in because they did not perceive him to be a man of God. People's perception is what causes you to flow. I I just want to throw that at you. There is nothing as powerful as walking into a room where you are perceived to be something. It releases an entirely different dimension of your gift as opposed to walking into a room of skeptics. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Her perception releases power. We got preachers right now in this country who can preach just as good as they ever did. But the crowds are gone. Because the country no longer perceives them to be. The man is there. The anointing is there. The gift is there. I'll prove the anointing was there. He was making the mistake while you perceived him to be a man of God. It's only when you found out about it that he ceased to be able to bless you. Is that more about him or is it about your perception? Okay. Mm. There is no question she perceived me to be a man of God. How could you perceive me to be a man of God? So much so that you have built this room and yet you never tell me that you have a need. Can I go deeper? I'm going to flip it. I've been theological. I'm going to go relational. It is possible for somebody to perceive you to be a great husband and a great wife, but never open up their real need. (laughs) And they will tell anybody, I married a great man. She's a great woman, but you will never benefit from my greatness. Until you become great enough to be vulnerable. Oh, you understand what I'm saying? Yes, yes. And say, 
I need you. Yes. Because the truth of the matter is, it is your need that releases my greatness. Come on now. Yes, yes. I just hope you're enjoying this as much as I'm enjoying teaching it. Because I'm just having a ball teaching it, so I hope you're doing I want to dig into this thing because this woman comes in and out of the room she built into the presence of God in front of the man of God, never learning how to get what she needs. Because she has accepted her barrenness. So finally, the prophet's servant says to Elijah, you know, she has no child and her husband is old. Sometimes the people who serve you <laughs> are more aware of what you need <laughs> yes, Lord. than you are. Yes, Lord. And they are able to verbalize what you would never say. Mm. So Elijah says, call her again. And they call the woman back into the room. She says, yes. And this is how you know that he has hit a spot. He says, by this time next year, you will have your child. And she says, no. Don't start that. Don't start that. Don't make me want again. <laughs> don't, don't, don't. Oh my God, this is so powerful, you guys. I'm about to go to a segment on uh, the second episode, okay, because the time is running out. I pray that y'all been enjoying this awesome word by TJ Jakes. And this is our on-time word for everything that we have been doing here on the Anchor Platform. It's Dr. D with the Boom Factor. And I will be able to send you the next one, okay? Don't. Don't make me confront my need. Because if I don't confront my need, I don't have to risk disappointment. Don't strip me of my disguise and expose the fact that none of this stuff I've got has made me escape being vulnerable. No, my Lord. There used to be a song that now everybody, baby boomers get this, that they used to say, now that I've cried my love to sleep, don't wake it up. You get it? Now that I've adapted to be in this way, don't wake up the possibility that I could have a better life. Don't disrupt 
not even my dysfunction because I'm used to it and I've worked out a way that works for me I'm good I'm good I'm fine where am I I'm fine people holler at your boy I'm fine don't open up that door because that door hurts It hurts to want. It hurts to need. It hurts to dream. It hurts to want it. Don't make me want it. You know what haters are? People who hate you for getting things they wanted. Because you're getting it reminds them that it's possible. So they have to make something wrong with you. Because it is easier to say, I guess they do have a lot of people, they don't teach the word. They don't stand for nothing. It's easier to process that than to say, why am I not growing? Come on now. I want to go just a little bit deeper. Y'all with me? I was shocked that she would say no. Anytime somebody offers you something good and you say no, either with your lips or your actions, you are showing that your AQ is dwarfed. You would rather lose the child than to risk the change. You'd rather stay single. <laughs> Have you ever noticed how in the last 10 years women don't want to be married? I don't need no man. I got my own car. I got my own house. I got my own stuff. I don't need nothing, nothing a man can do for me that I can't do for myself. All the women who don't have one say that. Come on, for real, for real. I understand that. Don't wait. Because when you don't have a thing, you adapt. Because adapting is easier than needing. Adapting deals with what you tell yourself to make yourself comfortable with what you don't have. We don't want no children, no way. Child, children, get on your nerve. Always stepping on stuff. I don't need no child. I don't need a job. I like laying around the house. Adapting is how you tell yourself what you need to tell yourself to make yourself content with what is not working in your life. No, my Lord, don't say that. Don't make me have to go through this disruption. Don't make me need it again. Don't make me don't make me pace the floor. Don't make me ache again. Don't make me start crying again. Don't make me open up my heart. Probably because I've been disappointed before and I don't want to be disappointed again. And I've learned a way of coping with life since I cannot control its outcome. I've diminished my expectations. And now you want me to expect again? Yes, I want you to expect again. Because God cannot do anything in your life until you expect again. He can only feed you when you say, I'm hungry. He can only give you water when you say, I'm thirsty. He can only heal you when you say, I'm broken. And until you confess, 
you cannot receive. Somebody throw your hands up and say, I need it. I need it. See, that's what the devil doesn't want you to say. Because when you say, I need it, you also saying, I deserve it. It's not wrong for me to have it. I should be blessed. I should be happy. I should be whole. I should be free. Somebody give him 30 seconds of praise like you understand. Yeah, 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 yeah. She says, I was cool making you bread fixing you coffee. I put a bed and a table and a stool in the room for you and a candle. I was cool with all of that. But if you make me want it, now I gotta fight. I gotta fight my fear. I gotta fight my insecurities. I gotta fight my childhood. I gotta fight my disappointment. Don't wake me up again. Don't make me need this again. Because for me, this is hard. I'm scared. Don't make me want it again. No. No. I'm comfortable in my dysfunction. Leave me alone. Go away. You want some bread? You want some coffee? Sit on the bed. Sit on the bed and get you some rest. Don't start messing with me. I liked it when the light was on you. Don't shine the light on me. Because then I have to admit that I'm not as great as you thought. (laughs) You know what? I'm not fine. This is not cool. I was cool with making space for you. But I had no space for me. Because the truth of the matter is, I'm cool with making space for you because your needs matter. But I'm not willing to make space for mine then I would have to matter and when I matter I hurt this is the fight of her faith don't make me believe again believing hurts and believing means I have to fight back everything that I have arranged and the fact of the matter is is that whenever God gives you a word it will always be disruptive whenever God gives you a word it will always be disruptive It will always mess up your plans. It will always rearrange your life. 
It will always challenge your limitations. Don't give me a word. Don't speak to me because I'm settled like this. I don't mind visiting the Paula's house. But don't give me a word that makes me joy because my friends don't go to that church and it would be disruptive for me to explain why a person like me goes to a church like that. I'll come and give a good offering. <laughs> Help those people. Encourage that ministry. Bless God. I can't admit that I need <laughs> this is the fight of your faith. How could Paul say I fought a good fight and he never threw a punch because every day of your life is a fight every day of your life is a fight how many know I'm right about it every day of your life is a fight to fight your fear your worry your anxiety your intimidation your insecurity your vulnerability to fight see I have long since outgrown trying to fight what you think I really don't care what you think I don't mean to be disrespectful I don't mean to be rude but I have found out that I am not destroyed by what you think I am destroyed by what come on now I don't have to waste time trying to manage what you think. What you think about me is none of my business. The problem is not what you think about me. I'm fighting what I think about me. thought I was stupid. I always thought I was ugly. I always thought I was too short. I always thought I was too fat. Those, I'm fighting what I think about me. Don't make me think that I could have had more than I got. Don't make me think that I missed it somewhere, that I majored on the minor, and that I missed what I needed. Don't make me think that my life could have been fuller or richer, because I no longer have the space capacity, room to evolve. My AQ is weak. I've adapted to something that is beneath me. And I, the fight of faith is to readapt to what is in front of me. I have built my life around what is behind me and then you come in here preaching what is in front of me preach it to those other people I gave you the room so you could preach to them I gave you the bed so you could preach to them I gave you the stool so you could preach to them. don't preach to me I'm good I'm fine I'm messing with somebody. I don't know who it is, but I can feel I'm messing with somebody's head right now. I can feel your head just look like scrambled eggs. 
with cow brains in them. You got to be 70 to know something about brains. Uh-huh. So she says, no. How many of God's blessings are you saying no to? Because you won't take on the fight with you. And the Lord sent me here to tell you today you are running out of time. That he has set a date to bless you. That by this time next year 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 by this time by this time by this time by this time next year seven people tell them it's going to be a fight 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 young man it's going to be a fight 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 who am i preaching to I'm all right with the fight. I'm all right with the fight. Say it again. I'm all right with the fight. I'm all right with the fight. Say it again. I'm all right with the fight. I'm all right with the fight. If you mean to shout it out, I'm all right with the fight. I'm all Do you know that if you meant that, you just open up the windows of heaven to pour you out a blessing that you won't have room enough to receive? Do you not know that if you meant that, the promises of God are yea and amen? Do you not know if you meant that, God will use you like you've never been used before? Do you not know if you meant that, your latter day will be greater than your former day? Somebody shout, I'm all right with the fight! What y'all say? I'm all right with the fight. Uh, yeah, yeah. I can't hear y'all. What did you say? I'm all right with the fight. I can't hear y'all. What did you say? I'm all right with the fight. Demons are trembling. Hell is nervous. 
Satan is upset. That's the one thing the devil doesn't want you to be, is all right with the fight. If you are all right with the fight, your life is getting ready to be so exciting. God is getting ready to open doors. In fact, your eyes have not seen, your ears have not heard, neither has entered into your heart the things that God has in store for you. I'm willing to use all of my intellect. I'm willing to lay all my emotions on the line. I'm willing to cry myself to sleep. But when I get to crying, I'm going to wake myself up, wipe my eyes off, and fight you again. Because I'm all right with the... over to somebody bold and tenacious, shake them by the hand, look them in the eye, and say, I'm all right with the fight. Bring it on. Bring it on. Bring it on. Bring it on. I'm all right with the fight. Sit down, sit down, sit down. <clears throat> I double dare you to mean it. I double dog dare you to mean it. I double dog dare you to mean it. I'm all right with the fight. I'm going to fight the good fight. You talking about a good fight. It I'm going to show you one more thing and this is it. I'm going to show you who I feel deliverance in here. High five somebody say, I'm all right with the fight. I'm all right with the fight. 
feel a breakthrough in here. I mean a Holy Ghost breakthrough. I mean a supernatural breakthrough in here. Let me stop, let me stop, because I want to hurry. I want to give you this, because I think this is important. Anything you get without a fight has no value. Gosh. Let me, I'm going to show you two things. I'm going to show you in a testimony, and then I'm going to show you with the text. I'm going to give you the testimony, and then I'm going to give you the text. So, I was going all over the country and I was being interviewed. And I thought, I sure do want to get the Lord's voice beyond the gates of the church. So I started doing interviews, you know. And then I thought, if I had a platform, I could affect the culture. I'm not sure we can affect the culture keeping the gospel in the building. Now I know if I go out there I can't preach it like I'm preaching it right now but I can salt is never loud. Salt is never loud. It doesn't make any noise. It just affects change. So I said (coughs) so I there had never been a clergy to do what I was trying to do. Man, it was a fight. Because every time I walked into a building, went into an office, met with somebody, they said, that's wonderful. You're a great preacher. You're a great man of God. All of that. Praise the Lord. Lord God, we don't mind interviewing you sometime. But, but we don't want any preachers in our space. So it was a fight. So, so it's going to be a fight. They said, if you, if you get a deal, it's going to be a fight. It's going to be a fight. And I had to fight. And I fought my way into a test tour. All through the test tour, I had to fight to get the ratings high enough to pass the test. You, you missed it. I had to fight to get to the fight. I had to fight to get the deal. I had to fight to get the chance to be considered. So I had to fight the fight to get the opportunity to get the tests. And now I'm in the tests. And the test is a fight. Because I got to get the ratings up high enough that when the test is over, I get the contract. So the fight to get the deal brought me to the fight to get the test. And the fight to get the test brought me to a full-time contract. And now I'm having to fight. What I'm teaching you is important. You think that as soon as I get through fighting, I'm going to sit down. But the reward for winning the fight is to continue to fight. Come on now. Confirm your word. Come 
is a fight. You're just fighting on the next level. Slap your neighbor and say, I'm fighting on the next level. If you don't become all right with the fight, then you're disqualified from the opportunity. Because the only reward you get for winning the fight is a fight. <laughs> you had to fight. Some couples have to fight to get pregnant. And then when they finally win the fight, they get pregnant. Now you're sick every day. And you have to fight all the sickness to have the baby so that you can fight all the drama of having to have the baby and raise the baby with the bags and the bottles and the appointment and the time and then when you win that fight now the baby that was in the car seat has got the car keys and took the car and that's a fight and when you get through with that fight somebody holler I'm alright with the fight Sit down, I'm going to show you this, I'm going to show you this, I'm going to show you this. You know you have won the fight when you earn the right to compete on the next level. Yeah, yeah. And what you have been told is that as soon as you win this fight, Everything's gonna be fine. No, no, it's not. But they lie. That's it. Come on, Jake, tell it. You had to fight, fight to get the job. Yes. Now you got to fight, fight to keep the job. job. You gotta fight why you See, get the job. Come on. Let me tell you why fifty percent of our marriages end in divorce. Because nobody don't wanna fight the state. It's because people fight to get married. And you say, Girl, I just wanna get married. And you had to fight to find a man or a woman. Worth marrying. And so you're in the fight and you fought to get him. Come on now. But if you don't fight to keep him, what happens is most of us fight till we get what we want. And then when we get it, we stop doing what it took to get it. And it was what it took to get it that it takes to keep it. Somebody holler, I'm all right with the fight. Your problem is, once you accomplish something, you stop fighting. Because you think that the victory, the reward for the fight, is some kind of trophy. So you set me in the bedroom like I'm a trophy. And I'm looking at you wondering, what's wrong with you? Where is the person that I marry? I don't recognize you. Because when I met you, you was fighting to get me. 
I know you can't say nothing, just keep looking straight ahead. Just look straight ahead. Don't, don't even shake your head or nothing, because you know you're going to get it when you get in the car. If you're all right with the fight, God will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing you don't have room enough to receive. <clears throat> I'm going to show you this one quick thing, and I'm out. No, my Lord, she says. No. Don't deceive me. Don't lie to me. Don't wake me up. Don't get me hopeful. Don't make me want it again. Well, guess what? She had to fight through the fear of failure, the fear of rejection, the fear of the pain to have the baby. Now she has the baby. The baby's 12 years old. He walks out on the field. He dies on his daddy's lap. They tell the woman, your baby's dead. She said, oh, no, he ain't. I fought too hard. I fought too hard to let the devil take my blessing away from me. This woman snatches the baby out of his daddy's lap jumps on a horse. She said, I'm a fighter now. <laughs> Touch your neighbor and say, I'm a fighter now. I know how to fight. I know how to fight. I know what to fight. I know where to fight. I know exactly where to go to to break the yoke in my life. Devil, you should have killed me when I didn't know how to fight. But the devil is alive. Greater is he. She goes in there and she goes past Gehazi. He said, everything all right? She said, it's fine. You know why she said it's fine? I'm all right with the fight. The prophet lays the boy on the bed. I'll close with this. The bed. The bed. The bed that she built. For the prophet. Becomes the bed. That was built. For the promise. If she hadn't. Uh, built the bed. For the prophets, she wouldn't have made room for the promise. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying to you. All the while she thought she was blessing him, she was really blessing herself. Because it's a law, give, and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down. Shaking together, running over, your blessing will come back to you again. Sneezing seven times, I'm back.
You give to the ministry. You sow in the ministry. You love the ministry. You want to see other people get saved, get help, get healed, get whole. Never knowing that your heart would be broken. Your life would be challenged. Your kids would be in trouble. And the bed that you built for others becomes the same place where you can bring your dream. God wants to resurrect that thing that died in the field. Look at the difference between the father and the mother. They brought the boy in and laid him on his daddy's lap and he was dead and the father just held him in the lap. The reason the father held him in the lap is that he didn't fight to get him. You will not fight to keep what you did not fight to get. The reason I read Paul's words to Timothy is that Paul knew that his course was finished when the fight stopped coming. I fought a good fight. finish my course there's nothing else to fight the time of my departure is at hand what I'm trying to tell you is that life is a fight and until you lose your timidity and become good with the fight you're never going to have a good life because if you win the fight you're fighting now, you will only be qualified to fight on the next level. So women, stop clapping. So, tell, so stop telling yourself, as soon as I get through this. Because as soon as you get through this, <laughs> Stand to your feet. Now, rest when you need to. <clears throat> Take breaks when you need. But this is a good fight. I was upset with this woman how she could say no to the blessing I understood why she said don't lie to me <clears throat> don't wake up all these emotions about something I've settled there is something in all of us that has a tendency to want to run from your fight even Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and says, hey, <laughs> get me out of this. Pass this bitter cup from me. 
I was reading when I was studying about AQ adaptability quotients. It said it was talking about in corporations. <coughs> the best hires you can make are people who are, are adaptable because they evolve with you. The worst hire you can make is somebody who has good IQ, good EQ, and no AQ. That means they're good for where you are, but they're not good for where you're going, and they don't have the adaptability to transition over into your vision. So I started researching, can adaptability grow? And the answer comes back, yes, if the person is willing to adapt, A, some people are not willing, no, my Lord, and B, if there is something in front of them that is important enough to make them want to adapt. The Bible said that Jesus despised the cross, but for the joy that was set before him, he endured it because he said, if I got to go through this to get to that, go ahead, drive the nails in my hands. I'm good with the fight. I'm good with the fight. I could call 10,000 angels, but I'm good with the fight. I already showed you that I could swallow up a whole platoon of your soldiers. I could have swallowed up the guy that was trying to nail me to the cross. But I'm good with the fight. If you stop feeling sorry for yourself and say, I'm good with this fight, whatever it takes, <coughs> whatever I got to do, Whatever it costs, it costs what it costs. I will challenge my limitations. I'm going all the way for the joy that is set before me. Paul tells us when the crown comes. He says the crown comes when the fights stop. Henceforth, there is a crown laid up for me. The problem with us is that we want the crowns too soon. Now, I grew up in West Virginia, in the hills. We went to school on the school bus. All of us would wait for the bus to come. And if we had an argument during the day at school, we said it's going to be a fight at the bus stop. <laughs> it will go all through school. We're going to fight at the bus stop. I know this is not popular. I know this won't make you dance. But when you walk out of this door, there will always be a fight at the point of the next change. You come in here to get prepared for the fight. <clears throat> you cannot live in here. You remember when Jesus healed the man called Legion and Legion wanted to go with Jesus? He had three choices. One was to stay in the tombs with the dead folks. Two, 
to go with Jesus and avoid home and three, go back home. Jesus told him, the one who healed him, go home. Don't run from your fight. I didn't heal you for you to run from your fight. Go back in the neighborhood where you were frothing at the mouth. Go back to the woman who had you locked up because you couldn't handle it. Go back into the situation where all hell is broken loose. And that will be your testimony. Wow. Look what he did for me. Look what he did for me. Look what he did for me. Join hands with somebody. I'm closing. Everybody in here has got to fight. How can Paul tell Timothy, I fought a good fight and he never threw a punch? Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. The biggest fight you will ever fight is in between your two ears. And I don't know how this ministered to you, but it really ministered to me. Your good fight goes on in a way that people don't even know. The reason some of you wake up in the morning tired is that you've been fighting all night. Fighting in your sleep. Some of you have to fight all the way to work. There's a fight on the job. There's a fight with the opportunity. There's a fight with the promotion. There's a fight with the kids. There's a fight with the wife. Every, everything that's valuable in your life, the enemy's trying to take from you. Everything you fought for at one point or another will drop dead and lay on his daddy's lap. And you have to decide, am I going to bury it or fight for it? Fight for it. Fight for you. And you'll only fight for it if you're a woman enough or man enough to say, I still want it. If you tell yourself, I don't need it, it don't make any difference, I'm good, I'm fine. You'll never be the warrior God called you to be. You're not a bad warrior because you lost it. You're a bad warrior because you don't fight to get it back. <clears throat> Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers them out of them all. If it's not this, it's going to be that. If it's not that, it's going to be the other. If it's not that, it's going to be something else. You've got to be good with it. You've got to learn whatever state I'm in therewith to be content. You got to understand that the fight is normal. That it's part of the process. And every time you go to the bus stop and you're getting ready to move to the next de level, the devil's going to be threatening you, talking about, I'm going to meet you after school at the bus stop. <laughs> Hell got nervous when you said, I'm good with the fight. Demons started trembling when you said that. Because that means you're going to stop feeling sorry for yourself. You're going to man up. You're going to woman up. And you're going to understand to him whom much is given, much is required. It's not enough that God gave it to you. Much is required of you. Reciprocity. You can't just receive it and not give anything back. You got to fight for it. Squeeze that hand you're holding because the person you're touching right now in some area of their life is in a fight. They may not tell you. They may not show you. They may be like the Shunammite woman. They don't want to admit that they're going through it.
got part of that fight. everything I got every day every door every opportunity every child every relationship that ever came in my life every every child that ever came out of my body everything that God ever promised me I had to fight for it I had to fight I had to fight my own doubt and my own fear and my own problems and my own issues I I had to fight to give people what I never got myself I had to fight to be a man and I never saw a man. I had to fight to be a father and I didn't have one. I had to fight to be a good wife and I never came from a good family. I had to fight to hold my tongue. I had to fight to control my temper. I had to fight to be nice when I wanted to be nasty. I had to fight not to give up. I had to fight not to quit. I had to fight not to run away. I had to fight not to sabotage my own blessing. I had to fight to come out of my generational curses. I had to fight to stop acting like my family. I had to fight. I had to fight. I had to fight. Squeeze that hand. God has something for you to receive today. God has something that he's offering you today. God's saying by this time next year, God says by this time next year, if you'll fight what's hindering you, if you'll fight what's limiting you, if you'll fight what's holding you back, I'm going to open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing you won't have room enough to receive. Your eyes have not seen, your ears have not heard. Neither has entered into your heart the things that God Thank you, Father. I'm ready for the fight, Father. I'm ready for the continuous fight. (laughs) People don't understand. I know what I'll be saying. It's a fight. 
<laughs> Tell me <laughs> it's not a fight. It is a fight. <laughs> Lord, thank you for that word. Thank you for that word, Father God. Thank you, Father God, for that encouraging word. <laughs> thank you, Lord God, that I know I'm not just saying something, going through something. It's a fight. <laughs> it's a fight to get where I'm at now it's a fight to stay where I'm at it's a fight for me to get to where God is taking me it's a fight I got it, I got it, it's a fight a fight for you to bless and help somebody else that you didn't get no help. Oh, Lord, Jesus, that's the biggest fight. Lord, you want me to do what? Help what? Do what? <laughs> oh, Lord. Hey, love, y'all outside? No, are you, um, are you at your office? Yeah, I'm at the office. Okay, so I can come there then because... I think she's still at home. Oh, oh, she texted me and said she was en route, so. Okay, you can come on here. Okay. Okay, love. to the strategies to go forth. I, I, I'm ready for the fight. I, I received my angels to help me with this fight of faith. And I, I just, I'm grateful for where I'm at. I thank you. And I know you got me. And I, I just, I just appreciate you, Father.
Yeah, about this time next year, whoo, I have not seen, this have not heard what the Lord has in store for me. Glory to God, hallelujah, glory to God, hallelujah, glory to God, hallelujah, glory, hallelujah. Hallelujah, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor it has not even entered in to the heart of man what the law has prepared. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Woo, thank you, Jesus. I'll apply the blood of Jesus on this word. Keep it, I know in my heart. Where the enemy won't steal this word, but it will accomplish, it will come forth, it will do what it needs to do. Shaka waka. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord. This thing's still recording. Blood of Jesus. Greetings to you, Anchor family. Good morning. Good morning. I want to give you guys a shout out like I normally do on this bright and um, brisky morning uh, out here in Houston, Texas. This is Dr. D coming to you live. And it is pretty chilly. Kind of raining and just getting off from work and before I catch a couple of Z's and head on up to the office this afternoon. <clears throat> Excuse my voice. But you know how that goes when the weather changes, <laughs> your body changes. That's why we have to take care of ourselves and I just want to encourage those that have ears to hear that um, stay motivated, um, be encouraged. Um, if you don't, if you ever, if you feel like you have a void and you know you need to be doing something and you don't know what you're doing, and I'm talking about in the midst of your job, and some people I found that have jobs and they hate it. Well, you hate it because you know on the inside you have this particular thing that's been burning inside of you and you just don't know what to do. You don't know how to get it started. You're looking at all the, the shoulda, woulda, colors, and you know what? You just got to just push that on the side and just go ahead and do the dang thing. You know what I'm saying? I mean, um, they have enough stuff on the internet to start giving you some type of ideas. You can begin doing a strategy plan. Um, just take one step at a time, like building bricks. Like last week, I was just talking about procrastination. Procrastination is the biggest roadblock. Um, is I, I see procrastination in people's lives like one of those bulldozers. You know, as soon as you say, oh, I want to do, I want to bake a cake. The simplest stuff. I want to bake a cake. I feel like baking a cake, but I'm not a baker. You go and you research how to bake a cake. You know, you have to get all the ingredients. Um, and then you go get all the ingredients. You get the baking pan. You make sure you have the butter, the eggs, and everything. And then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, I don't feel like doing it right now. I'll wait till later. And then before you know, later comes the next day. Then the next day. Before you know it, it'll be next week. And all your ingredients are still there. You know, you haven't touched the eggs. You haven't touched the butter. The pan probably still in the bag on the table. 
and you just look at it and say, man, I wanted to give me a cake last week. You know what? I'm going to bake me a cake today. Before you know it, you get a phone call, a knock on the door, something, maybe something tragic happened, somebody got in an accident, uh, somebody passed in the family, and before you know it, you never had a chance to bake that cake. Why? Because one positive thought that can move you forward to the next step triggers something in the atmosphere over your life. And the evil one, y'all have to realize you have an evil presence out here that do not want you to make it. So any good thing (laughs) that you ever have a desire to do, remember, they have an evil thing that's going to block you. So that's where the perseverance come in, the endurance, the long-suffering come in, the patience come in, the will to get it done come in. I'm telling you, you have to be around positive people that's going somewhere. You have to be around positive people that at least you can see they're taking the little that they have and they're making something happen. That's the people you want to be around because I'll tell you one thing. If you let them know, hey, I want to bake a cake, what? I'm coming over, and they will, that statement will challenge you. Oh, let me have bake this cake. You kind of get what I'm saying, you guys? So, even though it may seem chilly outside and all of us cold, whatever, you still got to do what you have to do. You still have to go to work. Whatever plans that you have, you still have to do it. Just because it's cold outside, it's not going to stop you from doing it, right? So, guess what? I want to encourage you all today. It's just get out there and just stay focused and tell procrastination, get behind you, and you move forward. And if you have to bake that cake, bake that cake, okay? If you have to start your business, start that business. If you need to go to school, find out what school do what, all right? So I'll get back with you guys. God bless you.